the Shushastika uh, prayers of Lord Chaitanya. Uh, uh, Shiksha means instruction, and Astika means eight. So there's eight prayers of instruction. And the translation I've given you here, there's several translations circulating through ISKCON. There's an early one that Prabhupada did. Now, probably still a lot of times every temple they recited in the morning. But when Prabhupada did this translation of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, you know, one of the two canonical biographies of Lord Chaitanya, by Krishna Skaviraj Goswami. The last chapter of the whole, I mean, there, I don't know how many volumes there, there are, but there are a lot of volumes of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, but the, the last chapter is called the Shishastika Prayers, Shishastika Prayers. Uh, and uh, uh, in that uh, chapter, um, there's a depiction of there's a depiction of Lord Chaitanya sitting down with uh, two of his very, very confidential uh, devotees, Swarup Damodar, who was a sannyasi, renunciate, and the other very confidential devotee was Ramananda Roy, a sort of a retired civil servant, uh, very highly placed, almost like a king. Under the, the king of Orissa. Uh, 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 um, so he had become a devotee of Lord Chaitanya. So, with those two people, uh, Lord Chaitanya is reciting these prayers one after the other and, and then discussing them. The prayers are in Sanskrit and the discussion is in Bengali. And the narration tells every time he recited one of these verses what Chaitanya was feeling. And so this is a this is Prabhupada's translation that that I'm, I'm, I, I have handed out to you. Uh, and uh, we're following here now. Uh, this, the, these prayers are also are in a, a progression. Uh, I don't, I, I would find it strange if Lord Chaitanya uh, composed these all at once because the meter changes and, uh, and things like that and it's not like the, the, the poetry of a, of a unified work but I think they were probably uh, written, put down by him at different times, and then put in this order. The, uh, uh, because anyway, but the the order is actually quite coherent, and and it uh, each prayer a kind of uh, exemplifies a stage in the advancement from the beginning of devotional service or the practice of devotional service up to the highest stage of perfection. And it says that when, when 
Mahaprabhu, when Lord Chaitanya recited these prayers, he tasted their meaning and then explained them. Uh, so, so uh, this, this is where this this comes from. But they're in a sequence, just like in yoga, uh, Ashtanga Yoga, eight parts going up. You know, it begins with Yama, Niyama, Asana, Pranayama, Pratyahara. What is remember? Dharana, Dhyana, Samadhi. Right? There's the other eight. So similarly, these are a similar, a similar progression uh, of advancement toward the goal, which is uh, pure love, pure Krishna prema, pure love of Krishna. And so they take us through those, those, uh, those steps. Uh, yeah. So that's just a little background of, of these. And when we discuss them or explain them, um, there's there's now a pretty big literature on it. But there, there's also just from the Chaitanya Charitamrita itself quite a bit of information about the meaning of these prayers and. Uh, uh, and they're also good because they really do illuminate uh, these stages. Uh, I've provided you with another uh, text the, from the, the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, another place, uh, which tells uh, those stages of development and which are exemplified in the Sushastika prayers. Uh, hmm? This is the one that begins Adal Shraddha. Uh, but let me just this this verse let's go let me just take you through this one. Adal Shraddha Tataha Sadhu Sangota Bhajana Kriya. Tato, tato, anartanirvitti shat, tato, nishta, ruchi, tataha. See that tataha, tataho, depending on the grammar, means then, 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 then. <laughs> uh, after that, atah sakti tataho, bhavas tataha. Premajutans chati, sadhakanam, ayam premnaha, pradur bhave bhavet kramaha. So, uh, uh, as it says here, uh, there, there's a list. I know, uh, in the beginning, or first of all, there should be shraddha, which is defined here. You see in the word for word faith or firm faith. At least enough to have you try it out. <laughs> there should be shraddha can be on different stages of that, but there should be interest, as it says here in some kind of spiritual advancement. Yeah. I mean, we may just begin with curiosity. Uh, I, when I first encountered chanting Hare Krishna, uh, uh, I, I was interested in it uh, because of, uh, I was interested in spiritual life and, uh, and, I, and I said, well, you know, uh, 
in my generation of people, we were taking some pretty powerful chemicals for spiritual advancement, and just some, uh, you know, chanting three different words and wooden beads seemed relatively harmless. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said, well, let me try and see what happens. <laughs> so anyway, but anyway, the, uh, then the, so, but if you want to proceed, then there should be some some. Uh, 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 faith may feel not very strong at the beginning but then uh, th- so then if you want to progress the next stage is here you see sadhu sangha uh, sangha means uh, relationship or association with sadhus uh, if you if you want you want to associate with uh, want to advance that's required. Uh, uh, this is a little different from, like, say, Pantanjali Yoga. There you go off by yourself. Sutaljay say you're all alone, sitting on a deer skin. But because uh, in that yoga system, it involves withdrawal of the senses from the objects. That's pratyahara. You get a certain thing. You just withdraw all your senses from their objects. But the definition of bhakti is to engage the senses. Rishikesha Rishikena Sevanam Bhakti Ruchate. The meaning of bhakti is to engage the senses in the service of the master of the senses. So that's why bhakti is considered harder. If you actually follow Ashtanga Yoga, Pantanjali Yoga, it's very rough. I mean, you really have to be like an Olympic athlete of the spirit to do that, uh, the way it's prescribed. Uh, uh, bhakti uh, is takes advantage of the senses and uses them. Uh, and so therefore, because it involves hearing and chanting about Krishna, or like we are chanting together, that's sangha. That's it's social. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's got this social aspect to it. And that word Sankirtan, Prabhupada always translates congregational chanting, because you count Kirtan, you glorify uh, a God, but Kirtan, San means together with other people. Uh, so that's, uh, so that, that's Sadhu Sangha. You will associate, and if you become interested in spiritual advancement, that's the kind of association you will prefer to, to people who say, let's, let's, go, let's go out and get high, or, or whatever other kind of social activities that people engage in. Uh, uh, so that's Sadhu Sangha. And then Bhajana Kriya means you'll take up that performance of devotional service. You have, 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 take up the practice, the bhajan and, and, and kriya. You know, you've heard maybe kriya yoga is a, these kind of performance of things. Uh, and here, Prabhupada expands it a bit. One is initiated by a spiritual master and executes the regulative principles under his orders. At this stage, there should really needs to be a uh, uh, for fructification, kind of now accepting a discipline. Uh, and then, after that, I mean, some of these things happen early on, 
but they reach their kind of apex, like this next stage is called anarta nirvritti, the diminishing of all unwanted habits. Artha means something that's valuable, so anartha, something you don't want. They go away. So that one should see that things that are not conducive to spiritual life, like lust, greed, anger, these things start to decrease. Uh, uh, you should see that happening. There, there are signs of advancement. Now, these will happen in the very beginning. I mean, one reason for myself I started chanting was I had at least been convinced that Buddha was right when he said that material life is suffering in his first noble truth, that he was right when he said the cause of the suffering is our desires, our cravings, our attachment. I believe that. And then the next part was, you know, you have to extirpate these desires. So I made some stab at it, but with total failure. <laughs> and the first time I ever went to lecture, lecture, lecture in a Krishna temple, this was, this was uh, uh, you know, uh, 1969 at the little row house by the University of Pennsylvania. And, uh, and the whole... We were sitting on the floor. I mean, the whole audience was students and hippies smelling of patchouli and marijuana <laughs> coming off of their clothes. And the guy got up who was giving the lecture, and, and he started talking about no illicit sex, no intoxication, no meeting, and pretty harsh about it, you know, when people were getting turned off all over the place and looking for the door, you know. <laughs> but I thought, wow, he's telling the truth. So that's when I got interested because I, I knew if you really want this, this, you know, this this is some of the issues that attachments are creating. Buddha said it, you know. Uh, so I got interested, uh, and uh, and then then uh, he 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 said, you know, this this uh, you can't control the senses unless you give the senses spiritual engagement, and that idea. By the, was new to me. By, by then I had taken graduate level courses in Hinduism at Temple University, I think three different ones, but had never heard that because they were simply preaching the Ramakrishna mission version of impersonalism as, as sort of orthodox Hinduism. It's not, but they, and they learned that later, but that was the first exposure to it. So nobody ever given me this idea of using the senses for spiritual advancement. Uh, so anyway, so I, I, that's when I experiment. Let me get some beads and start chanting and see what happens. And my material desires began to decrease. I sat down and I, they taught me how to chant on beads and I chanted. And my material desires began to go away so quickly that it freaked me out. And uh, uh, because, because first of all, who were these people? Because the, the Hare Krishna devotees just look somewhat nuts to me, you know, in, in different ways. And I didn't know who they were, uh, and, and, and what they'd given me was very, very powerful. I didn't know whether to trust it or not, uh, but it was working, and it was what I wanted to happen. But they were to start. Oh, the other thing was. I did want my material desires to go away, but not maybe quite so quickly. <laughs> so, 
so I stopped because I didn't know what I was getting into and then I just felt awful and, uh, a week or two I picked up again and, and started but anyway that was my initial experience even though I wasn't initiated or anything you know with just uh, with with, with uh, just uh, chanting so in the beginning some anartadevriti will will take place and when you see that happening then the next thing is nishta uh, you become fixed he translates it as firm faith but you've firmly fixed in devotional service you become really at this stage people rarely fall down uh, and but you're following a discipline so then the next thing that should happen you could see in this list is after nishta there will be ruchi ruchi means a taste the 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 the, the the unique flavor of spiritual feelings comes. And one can't explain these things to somebody who hasn't felt them. I mean, you either have to do it or not. It's just like, it's like what is red, you have to point to it. And if you can't see red, you won't know it. What is a B flat? Either you play it and you can hear it or else you know you have no idea. So spiritual feelings are something like that. Uh, they're not, they're emotions, uh, they're feelings, there's a taste, there's a flavor, but it's not a material flavor. People say, what is that? Well, I have to see. Because sometimes people define spiritual as just void of everything, you know, not this, not that, pure, purely negative, and you don't get an idea of what's, what's actually there, but there is something there. And they're the original feelings, uh, or at least we're taught, that, that, that we have as spiritual beings and that what, you, what we experience uh, on, on the material level, on the level of attachment, uh, are a kind of uh, reflection or shadow of those, those feelings. And they don't satisfy them because they are not spiritual, that which means they're temporary. And it doesn't really give us what we what we want. It's artificial flavoring like that. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, that's, that's, so this is there. There is ruchi, this taste, and then atas asakti, then the thing that's called asakti, which is word for word. It says attachment, attachment. Asakti means it means addiction. It's very very strong. Uh, 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 attachment. You become one becomes addicted uh, to to uh, Krishna consciousness. You you'd rather do that now rather than anything else. And you couldn't give it up even if you wanted to. This is these are the these higher stages now, because then is bhava. Uh, bhava means emotion or, or feeling or affection. Uh, the, the Sanskrit word bhava means existence, and then bhava with a long a is a state of existence. And then it also means here spiritual feelings or ecstasies. And the verse that describes it in the Shastika talks about tears pouring from the eyes, hairs standing on end, limbs are shaking, and so on. These are these are feelings, the symptoms of spiritual. Emotions which are very, very strong. I mean, even 
If you're walking alone at night on the street and all of a sudden very, very close to you a very loud dog growls, <laughs> your hair will stand on end. <laughs> so it's just whenever these are signs of strong feelings. So spiritual feelings are also that strong uh, when one reaches this stage of development. And then those feelings become intensified and, and, and reaches, and then there's this last stage which is called prema. Uh, uh, love, uh, uh, Krishna Prema, yes, uh, uh, love. and and then the last says in, in a sadaka. You know the word sadaka, practitioner. When one practices sadhana as a sadaka, in a practitioner, this is the uh, kramaha, the last word here in Sanskrit. In Sanskrit. This is the sequence or chronological order. Uh, of the appearance, a gradual appearance uh, arousing of prema. So that's what this verse uh, 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 Stacy singing. In the beginning there must be shraddha, faith. Then one becomes interested in associating with pure devotees, with the sadhu sangha. Then uh, uh, initiated by the spiritual master, executes regular principles. This is the full development of Bhajana Kriya, uh, then uh, Anartha Nirvritti, and uh, firmly fixed in devotional service, uh, free from unwanted habits, and becomes fixed, firmly fixed in devotional service. Thereafter, one develops taste and attachment. This is the way of sadhana bhakti, the execution of devotional service according to the regulative principles. Uh, uh, the other kind of bhakti is spontaneous. It's, it's just what you do naturally without telling yourself or preaching to yourself or discipline. You just, you just, it's natural. Uh, 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 gradually, emotions tensify, and finally, there's the awakening of love, prema. This is the gradual development of love of Godhead for the devotee interested in Krishna consciousness. So, this sequence, the order of arrangement of these. Eight prayers is that order. Uh, and, and so each one exemplifies one of these. Did it just breathe or something? <laughs> 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 one, of, one of these uh, uh, developments. Any questions about that so far? Yeah. Is it possible? You know, there's kind of like different stages, but is it possible that a person in one stage can experience kind of like glimpses? Oh, sure. Or yeah, I, I, I would think of, the, of, of each stage. Each stage is where something comes to the fore. Mm-hmm. But you can, in the very beginning, get some very taste, but they don't doesn't last, you know? <laughs> uh, and, and, of course, most of us don't progress evenly. You have some good days and bad days, or good years and bad years even, you know? Uh, 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 but uh, but this is this is the, the the sequence, and to get to this, I mean, the reason there has to, you need a guide, and that's this this idea of a spiritual master, someone t- who's been through this at least more advanced than we are, and, and takes us through it. And questions arise: Is this good or is this bad? Or should I do this or should I do that? Why is this happening? And you know, you can you can have some counseling to help us go along, but. Yeah, like my own experience when I just sat down and chanted, 
on beads for the first time, there was definitely some, some anarchy that took place. And, and I just didn't know what to do with myself. Uh, uh, I didn't know about associating with the Bodhis. They were very weird. And also, I have to say, in those days, um, they were really in the mood of chastisement. <laughs> you know, you, 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 you walk in the temple and the kitchen door is open and you look at don't look in there that's being offered to Krishna you shouldn't look at it <laughs> blow out a candle don't blow out that candle your mouth is the dirtiest part of your body they were really I mean you really had to get past a lot of that I was just you know, the way they were yeah. I, I even stepped out of the temple one day and, and uh, uh, the sun was setting and I said it was young, uh, one of the temple devotee women was there, I said, oh, what a beautiful sunset. She said, it is not beautiful, it's horrible. <laughs> and if you think it's beautiful, you'll just have to take birth again to enjoy it. <laughs> I mean, she could have said, yes, it is beautiful, but think of how much more beautiful that, which it's came, you know, something tactful like that, but it was just like, <laughs> so you had to get over the devotees too sometimes. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Speaking of devotees, I have a question. Then one becomes interested in associating with pure devotees. What exactly is a pure devotee? Well, for our purposes, it's someone whose main commitment is to advancing in Krishna consciousness. Uh, uh, there's def de definitions of pure devotees, and you can go and say, well, that's not around, I can't do this, I'm going to go do something else. <laughs> Somebody who will encourage and help you to develop your spiritual life. Sometimes positive. Uh, so uh, pure, it doesn't mean perfect. Yeah, it, just it doesn't means mean really, perfect. Really yeah. Yeah. Right. In this context, one, one, one whose desire is sincere uh, and who is seriously committing to making spiritual advancement. They may also have good days and bad days and ups and downs. But this is this this should, this should, that that should be there. And if in your concurrent association you made as much advancement as you can with the association you have, Krishna will send somebody else for you. You're not, you know, this isn't a do-it-yourself product, because who's really interested in our making spiritual advancement is the Lord in the heart, who's watching in everything, and He makes arrangements. And one of the wonderful things about advancing a Krishna consciousness is you can see it happening. And, and it is not subtle. Again, just from my own experience, I'll tell you, tell you a story. Uh, after I was beginning to get interested in Krishna consciousness and chanting, uh, uh, and you know, associating with devotees, I was wondering, should I really be doing this? How do I know if it's the right thing? Uh, the devotees were a little weird uh, I, I, and it looked like it really was going to be a commitment for me can I really make that commitment and meanwhile I had a family I had children at graduate school yeah, you know all that stuff how can I do this uh, and, and sometimes from the temple devotees I was not getting good advice at all uh, and uh, who basically had a, a, the, the hippie model of, of dropping out, tune in and drop out, drop everything and just join the commune, you know, and I didn't think that was a responsible thing to do. And neither was it what Prabhupada was saying about what's, what was the, 
the culture because the original location of the Hare Krishna movement, its social location, was the counterculture of the 60s. Turn on, tune in, drop out. Slightly modified, that was, that was their motto too. That was from Tim Leary, if you don't know that. Maybe people are not old enough. <laughs> so, uh, so I, you know, I was getting actually bad advice and, uh, and, and from some of the more advanced devotees. They were more advanced, but I had to. So I was a little at, at sea, and I wanted a sign somehow or other that I, I should be doing this. So... Uh, when I went to the temple on their altar, they just had a picture of Lord, the Panchatattva picture. It was in a bay window at a row house in West Philadelphia. And I went to the temple one day, and they had modified the altar. And when I'm chanting, I finally noticed. And there, were, there was a plank over the, the picture, and then they had two figures. Uh, they, what they were was the, the, the deities of Lord Jagannath, and, and, and Balaram from the, the, the temple in Orissa, the Jagannath deities. They didn't have the middle one, Subhadra. I don't know if you're all familiar with it, but they didn't have. But they had that. But the Balaram deity, when I saw him, I instantly recognized him because I had him at home. <laughs> because before, my very first year, I was in graduate school in religious studies. That summer, I had been. Uh, with my wife's family, we had gone gone to her parents' house in, in Salem, Oregon, and I had a summer job at a tin can factory. And at the end of the summer, I had little money, and we went up to Portland, where there was a big import export plaza just opened, the latest thing. I think it may have been a, one of the first Pier Ones or something, you know. So I'm in there with a little money to spend, and I see this big crate. Uh, a, a cardboard crate, and inside are these little figures. Some are white, and some are black, and some are yellow. And I really liked them. They were like really cool. I picked them up, you know. I didn't know what they were, but 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 uh, they they had they seemed both like very wise and childlike at the same time. And I was like, I don't know about the mentality that produced these. I looked at the price tag on the bottom, and I could only afford one. So I went through some mental thing, and then I took Lord Balaram home with me. And I, I, did, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what it was. So I just put him over my desk, you know. And he was sitting there, you know. And, and, and then, then when I went to the temple that day, there was the same. You know, I'm looking for a sign. I'm just pointing out it was obvious, you know, it was not a subtle thing. So then I, I, I talked to the temple president and asked, I told him, I said, who were those figures? And he explained, well, that black one, that's Lord Jagannath, that's Krishna. And the white one is, and I said, well, who's the white one? And he said, well, that, that's his, his first expansion, Balaram, uh, who appeared as his older brother. So he's Krishna's first expansion, and he's just Krishna in another form. So I also, oh, he's Krishna too. Yes, he said. I said, okay. And then I said, I was afraid. I said, now, now what do I do? I said, I have him. I have him at home. I have that one. He said, Balaram. I said, yeah, I have Balaram at home. Because I was afraid they were going to say, you can't have him. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And, and I said, what do I do? And, and fortunately, the guy said, worship him. Ah, <laughs> oh, I was so relieved. Okay. <laughs> so that's what I did. I, I, I went and talk, picked him up, took the dust off. And then I noticed he was fine, but in those few years, somehow the little paint that made the, the pupils of his eyes had kind of flaked off. And instantly I realized what it was, that he didn't want to watch all my sinful activities, and so he <laughs> closed his eyes. <laughs> so I got a magic marker. And I opened them back up again. And then I took them to a better place. And then I would sit and chant in front of him. I still had that ball around. You come to our place. I got him on an altar. But, but that, that, that was, you know, those kind of things will happen. And they, they keep on happening. So you get an intuition about, uh, about uh, uh, helps you, uh, uh, gives you a taste. Because you can, you can experience that, that you can see the action of Krishna uh, taking place to, to help you in your Krishna consciousness. Uh, and that's fa- fantastic. Uh, you just know you're not alone in this. Uh, and, and that Krishna, sitting in the heart of the super soul, wants us to make advancement. So, so he helps us. So that helps you become firmly fixed. And then taste and, and attachment uh, uh, a taste for the activities of Krishna consciousness. Uh, you'd rather do them than, than other things. Asakti, and then prema. The last two uh, with, with this this, this bhava is next emotions. That, that, that prayer describes these kind of physical symptoms of, 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 of the arising of these spiritual, uh, strong, very strong spiritual feelings. And then finally, prema. The last two verses of the Shishastika are about prema. Uh, uh, the first, uh, prema with strong feelings of separation. Because separation increases love. You, you have a child, and, and, and you love your child, but if somehow or other you're separated, that love increases. So uh, this love and feelings of separation actually is first. And then finally, there's love in, in union. Uh, those are the last two prayers. So that's the sequence that this will... Uh, uh, these these prayers will take us through, just like in Astanga Yoga. You also have this sequence, uh, and uh, uh, so this is a uh, uh, the, the sequence that's there in, in the cultivation of the holy name. Anything else about that? Yeah, I just wanted to point out that they have uh, Lord Jagannath Balaji and Subhadra here. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, I didn't see them. Right. Uh-huh. Good. There they are. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. They show up everywhere now. <laughs> We've created a big market. <laughs>
people that Arisa are really happy to have an export for this. I'm wondering about the difference between the word, the Sanskrit words, prema and, and premaha. Oh, just grammatical. Okay. This, this is genitive. Uh, the, the, the awakening of prema in, in this sentence here. Premaha. I have yeah. another question. Yeah, uh, go ahead. The, the difference between bhava and prema um, is... Well, ba prema, technically speaking, is love for Krishna that has been intensified uh, into, into full-blown rasa. Uh, and, and rasa, if you want to, we can discuss that later on. But, but rasa is an intensification of love. And the word here is bhava. Uh, and, and bhava means a particular way of loving Krishna with the feelings of a parent for a child or of, or, or of a child for a parent, uh, the other way around, or uh, of, of, of a friend for a friend, or, or, or uh, for uh, a wife for a husband, or a lover for a beloved. Uh, those are different relationships. They say this is your rasa, but it's actually your bhava. Uh, and there's mixtures of bhavas. Then when prema develops, this bhava becomes one of the components called stai bhava. You're permanent. And then there are other components, the abhichari bhavas, and, the, and very well analyzed, that, that intensify and variegate that, that, that bhava. Uh, because the nature of this prema is that it is always increasing. One reason is not like material love, it doesn't decrease. And there's no upper limit. It just never reaches a satiation point. However it is, uh, there's no upper limit. How is this possible? This is explained in, in, in Chaitanya Charitamrita. And actually, I heard Prabhupada explain it, uh, uh, looking at Radha Vrindavan Chandra, the deities in, in New Vrindavan, uh, was John Mastami. And Prabhupada is looking at the deities, and he, he says he says that uh, there's Radha and Krishna together. And, and so Radha is the most exemplary and closest and most intimate devotee to Krishna in, in, in what uh, Sringara Rasa, conjugal, uh, a feeling of conjugal love. Uh, this is Radharani. Uh, she exemplifies that. And so when you see Radha and Krishna together, that's that, 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 that relationship. So Prabhupada says that, that uh, Krishna looks at Radharani and Krishna sees how beautiful she is. And when he sees how beautiful she is, his beauty increases. Because Krishna is, is a spiritual entity, has a spiritual body. Uh, spiritual body means, see for us, the soul is one thing and the body is something else. Uh, the body, the, there's the gross body and then there's the mind and so on, the subtle body. This is all in yoga philosophy too. Manas, buddhi, ahankara. 
uh, the, these are basically three layers the spiritual layer, the subtle material layer, the gross layer. We are embodied with this double covering of the soul. But when you have a spiritual body, there's no difference between the soul and the body, the mind and the body, the, bo- the mind and the soul, one thing. So when, when Krishna uh, sees how beautiful Radhi, Radharani is and his joy increases, his beauty increases. Right? Because people look better when they're happy. <laughs> Uh, of course, there's a limit <laughs> because our material bodies are different from our minds and so on. But, but in the spiritual case, when your joy increases, the, the, the beauty increases. So then, then, then when, when, when Krishna, when Radharani sees that Krishna's become more beautiful, her happiness increases and her beauty increases. And then Krishna says she's become even more beautiful than his joy increases, his beauty increases and so it goes on without any limit. This is the dynamic. Uh, this is the dynamic that's ever increasing beauty and, and, and joy. And, and basically as devotees we join in that we participate in that. We have a role uh, in that relationship that Krishna has with his eternal associates, we join into the party. And, and the same thing, we participate in that. That's, that's the ultimate esoteric <laughs> idea of what happens when prema develops. So that's the special word with this special meaning, where, where this super intensified feelings of love are in a way. And it's very funny, these are like intense emotional ecstasies but they had been analyzed, especially by the six Goswamis, in a very, very, very uh, sophisticated way, U- using using uh, uh, using uh, Sanskrit development for aesthetics, for d- drama, and for writing drama, and how the emotions—it's compatible emotions and incompatible—to explain, to elucidate these these pastimes of, of, of Krishna. So that's that's what that's what prema is and how it differs from bhava. Yeah. Perhaps we should read through. Hmm? Read through the shikshastika. Yeah, let's read through the shikshastika. Do you want to do the Sanskrit or? We could we could. Huh? We'll do the Sanskrit. Yeah, I, I can I can I can uh, recite a line and you can say it after me and then okay, and then we'll read the English. Where is the one that we have here? We're, we're used to. Yeah. Uh, we have several different translations of this, which is good because you know no one translation can possibly be adequate to, the, <laughs> to what's there. Okay. So the first one goes like this. Uh, you just say it. Just say it after me, okay? I'll take it in sections. Chito darpana marjanam bhava mahada vagni nirvapanam Chito darpana marjanam bhava mahada vagni nirvapanam Shreya kairava chandrika vitaranam vidya vadhu jivanam Shreya kairava chandrika vitaranam vidya vadhu jivanam 
Anandam buddhi vadanam pratipadam purnam rittasvadanam Anandam buddhi vadanam pratipadam purnam rittasvadanam Sarvatma snapanam param vijayase shri krishna sankirtanam Sarvatma snapanam param vijayate shri krishna sankirtanam let there be all victory for the chanting of the holy name of Lord Krishna, which can cleanse the mirror of the heart and stop the miseries of the blazing fire of material existence. That chanting is the waxing moon that spreads the white lotus of good fortune for all living entities. It is the life and soul of all education the chanting of the holy name of Krishna expands the blissful ocean of transcendental life. It gives a cooling effect to everyone and enables one to taste full nectar at every step. Okay, now let's do the next. Nam nam makari bhakuta nidjasarva shaktis Nam nam makari bhakuta nidjasarva shaktis Tatrarpita diyamita smarane nakala Tatrarpita diyamita smarane nakala Etadrishi tabakipa bhagavan mamapi Etadrishi tabakipa bhagavan mamapi Durdaivam idrisham ihajanina nuragaha Next one, number three. This is even simpler. Oh, the English. I'm sorry. Uh, O my Lord, O Supreme Personality of Godhead, in your holy name there is all good fortune for the living entity. And therefore, you have many names, such as Krishna and Govinda, by which you expand yourself. You have invested all your potencies in those names, and there are no hard and fast rules for remembering them. My dear Lord, although you bestow such mercy upon the fallen conditioned souls by liberally teaching your holy names, I am so unfortunate that I commit offenses while chanting the holy name and therefore I do not achieve attachment for chanting. Okay, number three. I'll remember to try to chant these slowly. <laughs> Tarodiva Suhishnuna, Tarodiva Suhishnuna, Manina Manadena, Manina Manadena, Kirtaniya Sadahari, Kirtaniya Sadahari, one who thinks himself lower than the grass, who is more tolerant than a tree, and who does not expect personal honor but is always prepared to give all respect to others, can very easily always chant the holy name of the Lord. 
desire material wealth, materialistic followers, a beautiful wife, or fruitive activities described in flowery language. All I want, life after life, is unmotivated devotional service to you. Ainanda Tuluja Kinkaram Ainanda Tuluja Kinkaram Potitamam Vishame Babam Budao Potitamam Vishame Babam Budao Kripaya Tabapada Pankaja Kripaya Tabapada Pankaja Stitaduli Saddisham Pichintaya Stitaduli Saddisham Pichintaya O my Lord, O Krishna, O son of Maharaj Nanda, I am your eternal servant, but because of my own fruitive activities, I have fallen into this horrible ocean of nescience. Now, please be causelessly merciful to me. Consider me a particle of dust at your lotus feet. Number six. Nayanam Gadud Ashru, excuse me, Nayanam Galad Ashru, Nayanam Gadud Ashru Dharayam, Nayanam Galad Ashru Dharayam, Ladanam Gadgada Rudaya Gida, Ladanam Gadgada Rudaya Gida, Pulakayar Nititam Babu Kada, Pulakayar Nititam Babu Kada, my dear Lord, when will my eyes be beautified by filling with tears that constantly glide down as I chant your holy name? When will my voice falter and all the hairs on my body stand erect in transcendental happiness as I chant your holy name? Now the final one, semi-final one, two, two last penultimate, uh, penultimate. Before we, uh, the last two, this is about prema, prema separation. Gaitam nimishena, gaitam nimishena, chakshusha pravishaitam, chakshusha pravishaitam, shunyaitam jagat sarvam, shunyaitam jagat sarvam, govinda virahename, govinda virahename. My Lord Govinda, because of separation from you, I consider even a moment a great millennium. 
Tears flow from my eyes like torrents of rain, and I see the entire world as void. Aslishyava pararatam vinashtumam Adarshanan marma atam kurutuva Yata tatava vidadatu lampato Pranadata tu sarivana paraha let Krishna tightly embrace. Excuse me. Let Krishna tightly embrace this maid servant, who has fallen at his lotus feet, or let him trample me, or break my heart by never being visible to me. He is a debauchee after all, and can do whatever he likes, but he is still no one other than the worshipable Lord of my heart. And we'll try to unpack them. <laughs> Could you go through and just say what verse matches up to what stage? Yeah. Okay, let's do that. So, what we see here, this first verse, let there be victory, Chetal Dharpana Marginum. This, this is about Shraddha, about faith. Because one at least has to have this conviction. Because what Mahaprabhu is telling us, these, this also kind of takes us through the progression when we look at it closely. But this, this is uh, telling us that when we engage in this Sri Krishna Sankirtan, the cultivation of the name of Krishna, these are the things that were happening. These are these are. This is his promise. We should believe him. So that's why this is by Bhakti Thakur actually that this is the stage exemplifies the stage of Shraddha. So because this is really Lord Chaitanya telling the whole thing uh, one after another. When we get into the details, you'll see that. So this is uh, Shraddha. Then the the this next next one kind of uh, involves sadhu sangha, bhajana kriya, and nartanivritti. The translation. Those three, uh, uh, freeing oneself from anarthas while uh, uh, practicing Krishna consciousness in the association of devotees. All three are in, in this one. Uh, because this this is about now uh, the, the the mood of what will have to be to have the unwanted this uh, anarta nirvriti is the stage of becoming free from unwanted things uh, and, and really it's a stage in which humility begins to develop uh, that's what this really describes humility. Uh, and therefore pride goes away and, and uh, uh, one starts to become free from 
various kinds of obstacles. I mean, we have quite a list of these different obstacles that may prevent us. Those obstacles start to clear away when one has the mood uh, of repentance that's described in, in this verse. So this is Anartana Vritti assuming that uh, Sadhusanga and Bhajana Kriya is, is there. Uh, as I say, one has taken up regular practice in the association of devotees. The, the next one, uh, 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 now, now after the Sanartha Nirvriti, uh, then, then the next uh, the stage is um, what is it? Just out of my head. What's it called? Nishta. 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 Yeah, one one becomes uh, steady uh, when this now that humility is is fructified, uh, and so this third one uh, uh, when it says at the end kirtaniya sadahari one can always to the name is always to be chanted then we're now on the, that stage where you can uh, uh, yeah you're, you're pretty much fixed now in, in Krishna consciousness uh, sometimes we see devotees go up and down but if you reach this stage you're, you progress very rarely does somebody fall down uh, 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 backtrack and uh, this is that so this is this stage of uh, uh, Nishta and then uh, uh, after that when you get to, get to number four uh, 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 where it's a prayer for Bhavad let there be uh, uh, unmotivated or causeless devotional service uh, to you this is the stage of ruchi this stage of a taste uh, for uh, the activities of devotional service if you have a chance to do something that's uh, Krishna conscious and an opportunity to do something not Krishna conscious you just rather do the Krishna conscious thing you don't even have to you know preach to yourself or whatever you know so that's that's uh, number four Number five, where the, a kind of intensification of that uh, is, is uh, asakti, this addiction uh, to Krishna consciousness. Uh, and, and here you're right on the stage of now really reaching uh, a perfectional stage of Krishna, what Prabhupada calls a perfectional stage. Uh, this uh, this uh, uh, beginning of, of that exemplified and, and how this is so we'll explain this later then then uh, six is bhava where these symptoms of, of ecstasy are there here by this what's called the the the, the uh, astasattvika vikara these physical symptoms of ecstasy they're more important symptoms that are not exhibited externally but these are these external symptoms of of uh, uh, tears, hair standing or in, uh, which a lot of people want to translate as horripilations. <laughs> horripilations. Yeah. It's an old word, but it means hair standing on end. As Hamlet says when he sees the ghost, like the fretful pork and pine. 
porky porpentine. Porcupine. Porcupine. He says he says it was big porpentine. My hair stood on end like a fretful porpentine. Yeah, horripilations and, uh, and so on. Uh, so that's this this stage of bhava. And then the last two, as we said before, prema and separation, and prema and union, which, if you notice, also sort of has separation included inside of it. Because really, the 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 aim of the devotees is increasing feelings of love, uh, uh, and, and so that always separation always has that effect of. Intensifying emotions or feelings of love, so it's always somehow in there. They've been there and done it, so they can tell us. <laughs> no, we don't. In the normal, world. but here's the thing: this is spiritual emotions. So sometimes things that in the material world that would be really downers act the opposite way in the spiritual context. Because Prabhupada uses this expression, association with Krishna through strong feelings of separation. And you think, wow, that's bad. But it's actually not, because it's association. He is actually present that way. So when Prabhupada describes, how, uh, there's a song describing the, the six Goswamis, uh, Lord Chaitanya's immediate uh, followers who put all Krishna consciousness together in a very uh, systematic way they, they're described as running through Vrindavan where is Krishna hey Krishna, hey Radhe are you here, are you there, searching everywhere in Vrindavan for Krishna and so Prabhupada was describing this verse he said yes they were always searching and they never found him uh, uh, and, and, and uh, but just Krishna is somebody you can associate with very closely by never finding in, the, in that sense mm-hmm. because you have a relationship and that relationship is tense and he's present by these through these strong feelings of separation but you always have to be thinking of him right because yeah, yeah. we're all separated but there's plenty of people who are not that's another That's no this is different right who's separated from Krishna and don't know it that that's not love. Yes, definitely. Yeah, we're here because we have our own God project going, and so don't want any competitions from somebody bigger. <laughs> so, are we uh, questions or more? Or we want to go further, or how much can you digest in one? Well, what do people want to do? I mean, we can go further. Well, what's the, uh, what's the plan for the, for the three different things? Are you going to start taking them in and break them down? Yeah, I thought groups, so. Groups I'm playing it by ear, you know, because it also depends on what you'd like to do. Uh, because, yeah, you could spend a lifetime on these places, actually. I plan to, anyway. <laughs> So this is at least an overview. And this is just trying to get an overview yeah. and, and get into it, but, but uh, how fast you want to go. But, but that, that depends. What do people think? Anybody have any input? Anybody have questions now, I guess? And if not, then maybe just do one verse? Or yeah, we can start with yeah. the first one. Let's do that. Yeah, that sounds good. Mm-hmm.
because it's uh, because one one thing I did I, I spent time really uh, teaching myself these verses. Uh, I mean, I didn't really appreciate it as a new devotee in the early days of the movement. Uh, we'd recite them uh, every day in the morning, but uh, uh, the, the Shastika prayers. But I, I didn't really grasp them and their importance. Most of us didn't until a little later on, because you don't know that when when the Hare Krishna movement started, Prabhupada was the only advanced devotee, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh, and and so it took a while to, to sort of sink in, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and sort of. Uh, uh, so, but but at one point I, I really sat down and especially I got a book on these these verses by by uh, Prabhupada's predecessor Bhaktivinoda Thakur really got into me into into them and so I, I and then I discovered you know when the book came out the Chaitanya Charitamrita that Prabhupada had translated again and that Lord Chaitanya had discussed them and told what he felt. And that illuminated some experiences I'd had before that I was even afraid to talk to anybody about. But, uh, uh, and, and so it's worth getting into them and each one. So that's what I did. So I, I learned them so well that, that my, I had one year of Sanskrit in a university. I'm not really very adept at Sanskrit. And, some of the Sanskrit is a little complicated too. It's not as simple as the Bhagavad Gita or something like that. But I did try to learn it well enough to to be able to read the verses in Sanskrit and understand them without having to mentally have a translation go along uh, with it, like the UN or something, you know, a simultaneous translation. And that really, really, really helped me a lot to to to, to do them. So anyway, so let's... Uh, we, we can I just ask a question with a larger context question about Lord Chaitanya is he only wrote these eight verses? Yeah, Lord, Lord, Ch Lord Chaitanya, uh, the only thing that we can actually attribute to his own writing are these eight verses. Now, he was an academic. You know, he, 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 he appeared in, in the Western calendar 1486. Uh, so, uh, you know, contemporary of Michelangelo and uh, people like that. <laughs> people like that, you know. Uh, the Renaissance was going on in Europe and Columbus was about to depart, you know. <laughs> more glory for Spain. And all that stuff was going on here in our side of the world. So, look, but, but that, at that time, of course, India then was un under Mo Mughal rule. Uh, and not all of it, but, but the part that Lord Chaitanya was in, uh, uh, they were in the De Delhi Sultanate. Uh, there was a sultan in, in New Delhi, and that was part of his territory. When you go down a little further south to Jagannath Puri, where Lord Chaitanya, then that was still run by a Hindu king. But this, this was the situation, but the, the place that Lord Chaitanya appeared in, in Navadvip, was at that time like the Oxford and Cambridge of, uh, 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 of India. It was a huge center of learning. People came from all over to, to study uh, uh, there. 
and so Lord Chaitanya was born in a family of one of these teachers and he was very early on himself a teacher his subject was grammar which was not sort of a high status one there but that was that's what, what he was a professor of so he was an academic uh, and appeared in this family of, uh, of, of academics and his relatives were academics but some of his associates, like one of, one of his big followers was uh, somebody named Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya, who before he became a devotee and follower of Lord Chaitanya, was a teacher of what's called logic, nyaya, nava nyaya. I found Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya's books in the library of the University of Pennsylvania. I mean, they were in Sanskrit, but they were there. They, his, his name was on. You know, I mean, these, these were the, the kind of... He really was moving initially in very, very high circles. Uh, and he introduced an incredibly populist, democratic, what you might call democratic element in, into Krishna consciousness because some, many of his followers were not these high-class Brahmins. Uh, some of them, uh, the Haridas Thakur, one of his main associates, was a was a Muslim. I think a Sufi first to begin with, <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, was a Muslim, and that was like kind of unheard of uh, in, 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 in those days. So he he was he really did break the mold, although he was did it very very carefully. His main followers, uh, academic followers. Uh, and people who, who, who wrote many of the, the main texts about, about his philosophy, Sanatana Goswami and Rupa Goswami, and then their, their, their um, nephew, Jiva Goswami. Sanatana and Rupa, they, they were ministers in the Nawab government, the, the Muslim government. They have been con- were considered to have lost all standing in Hindu society, uh, and, and were ritually unpure and unclean, and were considered to be Muslim converts. You know, you just didn't have other, you know, you, so, so, so this is what they were. Although they had been very well trained and well educated in, 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 in Sanskrit learning, but they also knew Persian and Urdu. Uh, and they became followers of, 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 of Lord Chaitanya and then went to, he sent them Vrindavan and they wrote many of the, the texts now that's the foundation of our tradition, our Gaudiya, called Gaudiya Vaishnava. Godadesh is, is the old name for now what we now call West Bengal or Bengal, Godadesh. So the Gaudiya Vaishnava. So th- this was, this was uh, where Lord Chaitanya was coming from. And he was something of a scandal to people in some ways. Uh, the Muslims didn't know how to deal with him. Uh, and he started this movement where he ended up chanting and dancing in the streets. And finally, in Benares, he met a bunch of uh, sannyasi and personalist followers. And, and, and they said, you know, you know Vedanta. Why are you chanting and dancing in the street like a fanatic with low-class people? That's what they said to him, for open words, you know. You know Vedanta. You can t- talk about that. You, you should be studying that. Why are you doing this stuff? 
You know, so he, he, was, he was definitely a religious revolutionary. Otherwise, we couldn't be doing it. Because <laughs> when it mentions all these kind of people who are uh, incapable of understanding spiritual philosophy, anybody born outside of India is automatically included <laughs> as basically a barbarian. <laughs> so this is, yeah. But did he did he write more than these things they think and they were lost or No, no, he taught people. What he did oral instruction. That was oral instruction, okay. Yeah. You, know, you had to remember uh, something about the, 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 the Indian tradition. Nobody wrote it down in the beginning. People and if you, you study Indian pedagogy, everything was done by, by oral instruction. And that and that uh, people were taught to memorize everything, and people cultivated memories. Like for example, when you learn Sanskrit grammar, the traditional way, well, the grammar had been organized by Panini into a series of aphorisms, very pithy statements uh, that you then unpack that tells you the rule. And there are these 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 they call them aphorisms, sutras. And these sutras, like the Vedanta Sutra, for remember it was compressed so you could remember them. And and what they would do is they would they would, they would take the little boys, only only boys at that time. You take take these little boys, five years old. Five years old, you can't understand anything, but you can memorize everything. And they would just recite the aphorisms over and over again until they were in their heads. Memorize them perfectly. Reminds me of Vishnu about that. They, they, huh? Bar mentioned that. He's like, I've learned all these things. I've memorized the Sanskrit. Yeah. I'd really like to go back and actually learn what it all means now. Yeah, well, yeah. You know. that's what they did. Like, like, like you, you memorized them, and then they taught you how to, how, later on when you're a little older, to understand what was already in your head. That was the system. And people had memories, and they, they cultivated memories and learned how to do it. Now, you know, I mean, we, we have cell phones and, you know, I mean, <laughs> computers to look it all up. Memories decreasing. Because even Plato complained about the writing. He said because of writing, it was destroying people's memories. It was like a crutch. Because Homer and the bards, you know, of, of Greece, they had all that huge amounts of stuff memorized. They didn't carry around texts. So mem- writing, as far as Vedic culture is concerned, is a sign of the decline of, civ- of, of, of civilization rather than the advancement. We always think, oh, then we discovered writing. Whoa, now we're really getting somewhere. Well, from their point of view, it's because we're getting stupider. <laughs> we can't remember anything. <laughs> such an interesting way to think about it. Yeah, well, it's, it's a reversal of what we ever... Because, of course, according to the Vedic thing, we're in Kali Yuga, and this is the worst time, and before us, people were much more advanced. Where's their writing? Well, you know, we think they didn't have writing. Well, maybe they were, like, so smart they didn't need it. You could sit down and hear something, and you could remember it. it Once your mind had been trained, you could do stuff like that. But it also allows us to share. I mean, I'm just sticking up <laughs> like it also allows us to share things, you know, with people who are very far away that we don't have direct contact with. Well, of course. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's not good and not that we don't use it. Okay, 
But in those days, too, and the other thing was, knowledge is power. And this knowledge, you know, was you only wanted to get it into the hands of people that had passed your tests to be able to get it. That and makes one, more sense. Huh? That makes more sense in the context of direct instruction. Yeah, direct instruction. Right? You, had, you had to make sure that the person you were giving mm-hmm. you one wouldn't misuse it. Because as they were concerned, mantras had spiritual power. And you could do things with them that were scary. You could put them to evil uses. Or you could just misunderstand them without the instruction. Or misunderstand mm-hmm. them. Or, yeah, all these things. So, so that, was, uh, that was another thing. It's like classified information over there in Langley. You know, you don't want everybody to have it. <laughs> so, so what made him write these down? And at what point in his life did he do it? Do we, we, we don't know. Yeah. It, it, it become, because they show up, this biography of Lord Chaitanya, the, the Chaitanya Charitamrita, was written after Lord Chaitanya had left this world quite a while later, maybe a hundred years after, by Krishnadas Kaviraj. Krishnadas Kaviraj was initiated, because Lord Chaitanya only lived for 48 years, and Nityananda lived some, quite a few years after him. And Krishnadas Kaviraj was initiated by Nityananda, and then uh, finally got instruction to go to Vrindavan, and he met the six Goswamis there, who were sent were instructed by Lord Chaitanya, and he told them to, to now I've you taken these instructions, now you go through all the scriptures and all the books and you codify this. You you write it down. He didn't do it himself, but he, he uh, charged them with this responsibility. So that Jiva Goswami, who in a way is is is, is the knows the text very, very well, wrote his Satsandarbha codifying and, 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 and teaching uh, uh, Lord Chaitanya uh, on the basis of the earlier other scriptures and, uh, uh, and, 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 and Rupa Goswami uh, for example writes the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu uh, the nectar which Prabhupada boiled down for us is the nectar of devotion uh, and plays and dramas and all kinds of other things. Uh, uh, Sanatan Goswami, his older brother, wrote commentaries on Bhagavatam and the Brihat Bhagavatamrita and other th- things like that. So they were all very industrious uh, scholars. Uh, not all of them were from the Brahminical caste, but all of them uh, wrote things. Another person, Gopalvata Goswami, codified all the the ritual worship because they also established temples in Vrindavan. Vrindavan is a place of pilgrimage we owe to Lord Chaitanya. He went there, he identified these places, they were excavated uh, and restored by his disciples. They built temples there. Otherwise Vrindavan was just a pasture. Uh, and, and uh, Radhakund and Shamakund were just a little pool somewhere in between some rice fields and things like that. You know, no, they were almost forgotten. I remember also that part of India was under Mughal rule uh, at, at the same time, uh, or soon to be was. Uh, so the, anyway, these are these are some of the conditions. So they wrote everything down and codified. Then later on. 
Baladev Vijabhushana wrote a comment. The, first, we think we didn't, the general, the, the, the Vaishnava schools, any, any school of thought or tradition in India uh, of, of, of Vedanta has a commentary on the Vedanta Sutras of Vyasadeva. Uh, and there was the teachings of Lord Chaitanya that the, the, the Srimad Bhagavatam, the Bhagavat Purana, is the author's own commentary. So for a long time we didn't have a strict commentary on Vedanta Sutra, but then in the 17th, 17th century, no, 18th century, Balade Vijabhushana uh, wrote, in, in our line of the Secret Session, wrote a commentary on Vedanta Sutra. So all this stuff is coming. We are known... Uh, uh, the, the, our tradition is traced back to Brahma, the Brahma Sampradaya. And Brahma is the first Brahmana, and when he's depicted, he often has a book in his hand. Because the Vedas, the idea about the Vedas, is not that, which means they give knowledge. It's not knowledge found out that you use to discover what the universe is like. It's the blueprint for the universe by which it was made. It came first. It, 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 it's the handbook, the instruction to Brahma how to make the universe because he's the, what the Greeks called the demiurge, the creator of God. Uh, uh, and, and, and so uh, that, that and when the universe is created, uh, the knowledge of what to do with it as a human being is, is, was also created with it. Just, just like you know, when, 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 when uh, you know, I, I bought a vacuum cleaner from Sears and I had a little operations manual with me. Otherwise, I'd never know how to use the thing. You know, so when you get some product, there's usually a you know, a new car or something. There's an operator's manual that that goes with it. So the Vedas are the operation manual for the universe. Basically, <laughs> is what it is. That's the idea behind this. So, so this this is anyway where our our texts come from. So Lord Chaitanya. It, 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 the, the, the biography Krishna's Kaviraj I was getting back went to the six Goswami studied under them saw how they had assimilated and digested Lord Chaitanya and then he wrote uh, a sec- the second biography uh, uh, showing the philosophical understanding of the six Goswamis in the narration of Lord Chaitanya's uh, activities the earlier biography by Vrindavan Das Thakur tells more about his activities uh, and not much about the uh, philosophy or theology. So it's mostly his, his activities and what happened. And when Krishna's Kavirajraj Chaitanya Charitamrita said, anything he's covered, I'm just going to pass over lightly. If he's left anything out, I'm going to put it in here. Because he talked to all these original witnesses. I'm going to put it in here. But then mostly he also gives the whole thing a theological or philosophical context. Uh, uh, And fits everything that he did into the Vedic context. Shows that that, for example, that Lord Chaitanya is uh, an avatar, not just because we think so, but because uh, to be an avatar uh, uh, incarnation uh, of, of Krishna, it has to have been predicted in scriptures. They show where it's predicted and how it fits the predictions, and all that kind of stuff that, that somebody needs to do. <laughs> so they did all that. Did that you know. 
much more methodical than, say, the Christian scriptures, you know, which nobody really knows exactly how they happened. You know, people had stories about Jesus, and somebody said, you're getting pretty old, better write these down. <laughs> and uh, and uh, nobody knows exactly when they're assembled, and when they had so many different texts, these somebody decided these are okay, and these are anyway. It was a, you know, a little, little more systematic. Uh, has there not been sort of similar editing of the Vedas of the scriptures since, you know, a long time? We, I talk about that, about that contrast. I just want to make sure that's actually grounded in fact that, you know, a lot of Christian scriptures, they've been, things have been pulled out, things have been put sure. in, things have been changed over time to yeah. advance political gain, you know, or, you For know, sure. certain sure. emphasis. Well, every day, you know, you're subject to history and, 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 you know, there, after Lord Chaitanya appears, you'll find all over India, there, at least Bengal, there are other people that have ideas about him that are different from ours. And they are welcome to the material world, you know, where this, this happens. There's people that, that, that adopted uh, some things from Krishna consciousness to Buddhism. Because there are a lot of Buddhists in that area at one time. You know, I mean, I mean, uh, it was a center of Buddhist learning in Arissa, you know, very close by. Uh, some people adapted it to the Shaivites and the Tantric so local practices uh, 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 that that way. And uh, and uh, 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 so that kind of that kind of thing happens everywhere. And uh, that 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 we ourselves have, we don't have the only tradition, uh, that valid tradition of Krishna consciousness. But there's some that we would definitely reject it as compromised or not pure. Okay. Uh, and, and you know, somebody will sit and argue with us <laughs> because well, you know, that, that's that's the way it is. Uh, and, and certainly when academic scholars get in, you know, they'll, they'll have a field day with, with, with this kind of stuff. Uh, because we are accepting some line of authority of, of, of how to understand it. I think we try to influence those people too, but <laughs> it'll, it'll, go, it'll go on with that. So, so uh, I, I can't... To, to me, to, to me... Uh, uh, to show that this is valid, I would I would have to say uh, that as far as I'm concerned, it works, uh, and that that at least with what what Prabhupada said, I mean what what Lord Chaitanya said, that uh, very clear prediction that my names will be chanted in every town and village of the world, that happens to have hap- taken place through 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 this line of succession which we are following. Uh, which, which to me is itself a powerful uh, argument for it. But I can't tell you if you sit down and look it up. Uh, I mean, and then if, if, for example, there's a 19th century or early 20th century compilation done in England, Hastings' Encyclopedia of Religion and Philosophy. And I looked up Chaitanya in that. And it said that Chaitanya introduced a degenerate element into Vaishnavism. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> because there were, you know, the British were in India, uh, and they encountered people who said they were followers of Chaitanya, and they looked at what they were doing, and 
they said, you know, even to this day, I can go to India and teach it. I, I meet people who say they're following Gitanya, and part, part of their sadhana is to smoke reefer, I mean marijuana. I see sadhus in Vrindavan with, you know, with the marijuana plants growing behind their ashrams. I mean, this is... Oh, where do they get that from? It grows in India. No, no, no. I've never seen this. Naturally. Yeah. <laughs> you know that that's somehow... Like, yeah. No, they just, I mean... Shikshastika <laughs> You know, they tell me people, welcome to the human race, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, people have very high standards of ecstasy. Uh, there's this idea of ecstasy, and if I find I'm not really getting it, but if I get a chemical boost, then it seems like the real thing. You know? <laughs> well, we were talking about that yesterday because in the early early days of this movement, there was a lot of drug use and drugs. Oh, yeah, sure. Things too, and somehow they justified it. And, they did it. They did it, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, and I was thinking, like, I don't know how you justify some of that. How do you justify some of the things that happened? And mm-hmm. we've been looking at some of the history of the movement and just thinking about, that, like, you know, how did we go, how did we go so far afield at a certain point? And how did people take the yeah. interpretations yeah. that they sure. took? And we've come sure. sort of back to yeah. a more sort of common sense, easy to follow perspective from there, but what was really intended? And mm-hmm. it's hard to figure out even. Like the recent history, mm-hmm. you know, from mm-hmm. the perspective of someone, someone new, and someone mm-hmm. who has to do otherwise. Yeah, well, the, the social location of, of the Hare Krishna movement in America in the early days was a counterculture uh, of, of of the sixties, and, and is really to probably you have to understand what Prabhupada did. You know, Bhakti Siddhanta, his spiritual master, had a very powerful organization that that kind of spread. Krishna consciousness all over India into Burma and in 1933 they sent preachers to India uh, to, to England and they were about to build a temple in London they had the money for it and everything now 1933 the year these three preachers went to, to England uh, was also the same year that Hitler attained uh, power in Germany so all hell was about to break loose but they had books translated to English, and and uh, you know they it was planning to keep on going. But but then when Bhakti Siddhanta in 1936 he left this world, his movement fell apart into two. First there were two different factions who was going to be the in charge, and then and then uh, they split. Of course, once you start splitting, and anyway, so so it, everything came to a kind of a stop. And then, uh, you know, Srila uh, uh, Prabhupada, uh, basically, about 40 years later, 30 years, 30 years later, takes it, you know, was ordered by his spiritual master to preach in the West. Couldn't get very much people interested in it. Uh, and, and when he finally did it on his own, without any institutional support, without any help, uh, he, he, he ended up in, in, in New York City in 1965 with no money or no anything. And, and the people that showed up uh, where he was preaching, he was in the Lower East Side simply because he couldn't afford to live anywhere else, uh, happened to be kids, people later would be called hippies. I mean, they called themselves hippies ever. They were priests. That was the, na- the indigenous name. The journalists said hippie and passed on. You know? 
to be these, these group of people. And they were interested in what, what, what he said. And one of the leaders, Allen Ginsberg, uh, who had been to Vrindavan and had smoked marijuana with the sadhus <laughs> there, you know, recognized Prabhupada as a real down-home Swami. Because then in New York, the, the representative of Hinduism was Swami Nikolananda with the Ram Krishna mission. Now, I knew Swami Nikolananda because uh, he came down to where I was going to school at Temple University and was teaching the Hinduism courses because he, he was a scholar. He had translated, you know, everything, uh, Vedanta into English and, uh, and all this other stuff. Uh, and, and, and he wore a... Uh, he looked just like a 1930s English barrister. You know, he had a three-piece pinstripe suit with a pocket watch in the thing. You know? And he had a place, his place was in the Upper East Side. And Ginsburg didn't like it, but they saw Prabhupada with his pointy toe, sadhu shoes and his dhoti and everything. Oh, here's a genuine sadhu, you know, with saffron robes. <laughs> And so Ginsburg, you know, liked Prabhupada, and Ginsburg had brought back a harmonium from Vrindavan and chanted with Prabhupada. Because Ginsburg was coming, other people were coming. But Ginsburg said, you know, that the heart, chanting Hare Krishna is the best way to stabilize your consciousness after coming down after LSD trip. <laughs> but because Ginsburg came, so many other people came. And th those people, Prabhupada gradually got to, you know, follow, understand the principles of Krishna consciousness. It was kind of a shock to them uh, to, to learn these things, but they did. But then when he went, when some devotees went to, the, went to San Francisco uh, and were trying to get a temple there, so, so th they were pretty well connected with the, with the, with the, with the counterculture scene in Haight-Ashbury. That's where the temple was, was going to be. And they managed to, through their connections, have this mantra rock dance. Yeah, that's right. That's the poster that they that they made. Mukunda, now Mukunda Goswami did this. Had, had it made by a guy who was his roommate in New York. Mukunda had met Prabhupada in, 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 in the Upper East Side, had helped him out, and had had decided to go to India. And Prabhupada said, "Well, why, on the way, why don't you stop off and start a temple in San Francisco?" So he he. He had gotten married, and they, they, he and his wife went out there. And and then uh, the other guy they were with, Shamsundar, they picked him up up in Oregon with, with Malati. They were doing fire watching, and uh, and, uh, uh, and 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 Sham, Shamsundar. The real story about Shamsundar, he was, which is not in the, the problem, he was the drug dealer to the stars. I mean, when they when they lived in Hyde Ashbury, uh, Malati and Shamsundar, As, Asli, what was his name? Uh, the Asli, who made the marijuana. Yeah, he was the big make, not made made LSD, made a pure LSD. Used to crash on their sofa. He was the one that made the first LSD that Kim Kesey and those people people also took. He used to crash on their sofa, and, and, and Shamsundar was the dope dealer. To the Grateful Dead and all these people. 
That's what he was. So he was well connected in San Francisco. And so he managed to pull off, you know, the idea that they can get the, uh, the, uh, the Avalon Ballroom, is that what it called? Yeah. For this mantra rock dance. And that, so they could raise money to open the temple. That was the thing. And Prabhupada agreed to come. And so it filled with kids. And Malati is the one that grabbed the Moby Grapes to play. That was their introduction. She found this street corner band called the Moby Grape and on her own initiative invited them to come and play at this 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 thing. And so that's how this they became a famous 60s band, the Moby Grape. That was us <laughs> who did it. And so they had a, on the stage, you know, they had a stage at this Avalon Ballroom, the Mantra Rock Dance. Hell's Angels was there to keep order. The, 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 the psychedelic, they were showing psychedelic pictures, you know, on the, on the ceiling and everything, and they had a whole bunch of uh, pictures of Krishna in there. Ginsburg came with Prabhupada, and Prabhupada had him on stage chanting with Prabhupada on the stage. And that was the introduction uh, uh, of, of uh, you know, the, the movement uh, to, the, to the West. That's, that's how it happened. And when, and when Prabhupada saw this Avalon Ballroom, I mean, nobody in the Gaudiya Mount would have come near that place. <laughs> but Prabhupada was there, and, and, and somehow, rather, he was a Calcutta, he was, anyway, he, somehow he knew what to do. He was there. And, 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 and when Prabhupada left after that event, he turned to one of the devotees and says, I think that this is not a place for a brahmacharya. <laughs> But that was, that was, and then, you know, the temple was filled every morning with kids coming down off their LSD trips or whatever, and with Chan Hare Krishna, we fed them, and uh, they became devotees. I mean, that was, that was where the, the, the start was. But Prabhupada had to really warn people against, you know, this, uh, you should not have these hippie ideas, he said, <laughs> to people like that. That's Lord Chaitanya's movement. You know, and I, about my own self, you know, I, I, by the time I came in contact with the devotees, I was a graduate student. And they were like very suspicious of me. Because, I mean, all my, my friends were hippies. You know, but I wasn't a hippie. If I was a hippie, I wouldn't have been in graduate school. Even even the graduate school, they thought I was a hippie, but I wasn't. I was going to graduate school. I, you know. So so uh, uh, you know, I was a, a kind of a liminal character, you know, on the borderline of several things. But the devotees, their first thing to me was, I should quit school. I should drop out. I was wondering about that because I know Prabhupada was, didn't support going to college, and, and I think the culture well, then was well, moved into the ashram. Well, you know, this is what happened. So here I am, a, a graduate student, three years of graduate school, and I'm, uh, you know, I want to be, be, be uh, get in, in with the devotees, and uh, and, the, and practically the only way you could get association with devotees at any time was to move into a temple. If you were living outside, they didn't, because the idea of becoming a devotee was to drop everything, shave your head, put on these robes, and move into a temple, and that was their paradigm, uh, and. Uh, so they kept counseling me that, that I, I should quit graduate school. 
They show me, Prabhupada wrote in the Bhagavatam, the modern educational institutions are the slaughterhouse of the young. I should quit. Well, I thought, well, you know, I got three years into graduate school. Maybe, you know. I, so I asked the temple president, why don't you ask, ask Prabhupada what I should do? I didn't know that, you know, maybe there was some asset here. Maybe I should. Because all I had to do left was write a doctoral dissertation. You know, I finished all the coursework and everything. So he consulted with Prabhupada, and the word came back. And Prabhupada said, I should finish and I should get my PhD. And the devotees were gobsmacked and thunderstruck. <laughs> and then they recovered fast. They said, No, they're just telling you, he's just telling you that because you're attached. <laughs> but I thought, you know, I'm going to follow Prabhupada, you know? <laughs> and then later on, he had this idea of the Bhaktivedanta Institute, and you know, then I, I met this devotee, Sadaputra, who just got his PhD in mathematics. And just to tell you another story, that, 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 uh, that, that, that I, I asked Prabhupada, I wrote him a letter, and I asked him uh, that I have to have a come up with a topic for a doctoral dissertation. Do you have any suggestions? And he suggested that if, if I wanted, he didn't say I had to do it, he suggested that I could defeat Darwin. And then I was gobsmacked, you know. Because part of my life I grew up in Texas and Oklahoma and I knew these people who didn't believe in Darwin. And they were kind of, to my mind, these kind of big, stupid, neon Jesus saved signs. And I thought, my God, are we supposed to become like that? You know, so it was like a kind of test of my faith in some ways. But then I thought, well, of course, you know, the, the, if I accept the Bhagavatam, Darwin is wrong. Sure, he has to be wrong. Okay, I can understand that. How he's wrong or how you can show he's wrong, I have no idea. So there I was, and then I meet this devotee named Sadaputi. He just finished his doctoral dissertation in mathematics at Cornell. And he had become a devotee. He was in New Vrindavan. They had no idea what to do with him. They made him the treasurer because he was a PhD in mathematics. But <laughs> those are not the skills you need to be a treasurer. A treasurer had to be, where's your receipt? You know, where's the change? You know, that kind of stuff. They didn't know what to do with him. And he was on some traveling Sankerton party. He showed up in Philadelphia. And I found out, you know, that what he, he was a mathematician, a PhD. And so I showed him the letter from Prabhupada. I said, do you know, here's that Prabhupada said you should defeat, do you know how you can defeat Dharma? And then Sadapuda says to me, oh, he says, you know, I, I knew Darwin was wrong before I became a devotee or I ever met devotees. He said, actually, he says, most mathematicians know that Darwin is wrong. They just don't say anything because it upsets the biologists so much. <laughs> and later on, he then he gave me some arguments that I could follow somewhat. And then, you know, later on, he wrote them all up and they were published and uh, all, all these other kind of things. But those are the kind of experiences I had in the early days, you know, because because of the predilections of some, some of the uh, the devotees. But that was what you know, Lord Chaitanya started something, and uh, and it seems to have taken taken root somehow or other. Gone, Prabhupada went, took the American devotees back to India and chanted, dance in the streets. 
to try to convince the Indians, here's what you want to give up in order to become modern, but look what all these people, they have everything, what he called the skyscraper buildings and all that other stuff, they have all the stuff you want, and here they're giving it all up to come here. <laughs> and then he, then he got the movement started again in India. It almost, you know, pretty much died out. Uh, that was started. I mean, Bhakti Siddhanta had temples all over India. And they, were, they were still going on, but they're very tiny affairs, and not very much preaching going on, collecting donations from widows and all that stuff. <laughs> Thank you for the historical context of both time periods. I think it's really helpful for us, particularly as you know, householders trying to approach this. Spectrum. Yeah, because of the, you know, yeah, right. No, it's, it's, it's changed again. Uh, it's, it's no longer... Uh, uh, the counterculture went away or became assimilated. There was some, some famous Vietnam veteran came back after being in the Hanoi prison for so many years and he got to the San Francisco airport and looked around and he said, my God, they've won. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Shocked. Everybody's got long hair, you know. The hippies won. <laughs> so I'm in mainstream for a while. But then we went back to the business of being Americans, which is making money. The business of America's business. So that's over. <laughs> they think anyway. If you have the Chaitanya Charitamrita, you can read that last chapter, which has Lord Lord Chaitanya discussing these verses and then what he felt and what what how he expounds on them a little bit. Where is this in the Chaitanya? The Chaitanya Charitamrita, the last chapter of the whole book. On the top of the sheet here, read the reference if you need. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is there a version of that like a translation that's, that you feel would be better than another, or is Prabhupada the well, one? Well, Prabhupada is there. There's another one that I included that I liked. Uh, you don't have it, but I can give it to you. We can mail it out. You can mail it out. Uh, I, I happen to be reading the um, translation of the Shishaskam I, I ran across in the Harmonist. That was Bhakti Siddhanta's journal. And in the Harmonist, uh, February 14, 1935, they had an English translation of the Shishaskam, which I like very much. It, you know, it lights up other things, and you know, every translation is going to slice through the original in some way or another. So there's a very good slice here. And I, I, it's also a, a, a translation. And you have another one that's Sachinandan Swami, which seems to be a modification or yeah. an adaptation of this one. Uh, but this is the one that was written down. This one was approved by Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. I can, I can say that. Uh, so you, you can look at that one also. And then, politically, you know, think of any questions you have. I'm sorry, we, we, we anyway, we kind of got sidetracked into history and all that stuff. Yeah. We can always add classes if you want to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I'm happy to do that. Should we okay. close out with a little kirtan? Yeah. A little kirtan? Okay.